Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. May God add a rich blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, all time is your time, but especially in this moment, this is your time. We ask for a falling of your spirit. We ask for an opening of our hearts and minds to the message that you have for us today. Speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we conclude our series on the Sabbath, sometimes I like to go back to some old hymns and sing them, read them. They're usually poems. And there's one hymn entitled Crowning Jewel of Creation, which perfectly encapsulates the message that we're going to be talking about today. It goes like this. Crowning jewel of creation, blessed and hallowed, sanctified. Time and changes, all transcending, shared forever, glorified. Blessed Sabbath made for man, gift from the Creator's hand. This poem was written by a lady named Jem Fitch. She was a composer and in the 80s, I believe, 1982, so a later, uh, a later hymn, more recent, uh, she wrote it and they turned the poem into a song, Crowning Jewel of Creation. Crowning Jewel of Creation, comparing the Sabbath to a gem. But the hymn, the three verses of the hymn, the three verses of the poem, like I said, encapsulates the heart of the message today. And the first thing to note is this. The Sabbath is a memorial of God's creation. The Sabbath is a memorial of God's creation. 
If you look at Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1, I'll read it. We read it in our scripture reading, but I'll read it again in your hearing. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It is important to note that the Sabbath is a memorial of what God has done and not man. Not what you have done, not what I have done. It is a memorial of what God has done. God's creation, not man's creation. Man created a seven-day work week with no break. Man created unequal class systems and poverty. Man created racial divides and segregation. Man created justice systems that don't give justice. Man created an imbalance in nature. The Sabbath is a memorial of what God has done. The Sabbath is a memorial of God's creation. Well, what exactly did God create? When we look at the Genesis account, Genesis chapter 1, we find some interesting things. Now, follow with me. We're drawing a point here. Genesis chapter 1, look at verses, actually, 1 through 5 is what we're going to read. Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. God created light, he created night and day, but more specifically, God created time. God created time. Interestingly enough, okay, the human body operates on rhythms and on times. When the sun is up, you're up, usually. When the sun is down, <laughs> you sleep, usually right, due to, you know, electricity and whatnot. Embedded in the very fabric of our being, and also within the daily earthly cycle of night and day, God created the experience of physical rest, sleep. Now, this sermon is not about sleep, but follow me. Our need for sleep corresponds with the going down of the sun. How is it that almost every living thing needs the daily physical rest of sleep? And how is it that sleep coordinates with the presence and the absence of the sun? God made it that way. 
And if God created a time for physical rest every single day, why would it be absurd that God would create a time, a Sabbath rest for not only physical rest, but mental rest, as well as a rest for the entire being, body, mind, and soul, soul being the, the whole person. Another interesting thing to note is that each timestamp, each day and night, each marking of the season, each marking of the month or marking of the year, they are each indicated by a phenomenon in the sky, in space. You have day and night, which is indicated by the rotation of the earth. Or we look at the sun, which doesn't move, but earth moves, so the sun moves. <laughs> or the month, we look at the moon and we track its cycle and it tells us 30 days or less than 30 days or more than 30 days. We look at the year and the revolution of the earth around the sun. We look at the seasons and the location of the stars, often most clearest seen in the night sky. Each earthly time stamp is marked by a phenomenon in the heavens. Each one, except the time stamp of the week. It's the only one, the Sabbath. That's because the Sabbath doesn't point to a created phenomenon in the sky. It points to the creator. It points to God. There is no physical creation in the heavens, inanimate thing that would best describe God, so he left it blank. This is literally the only specific time in the week where, according to the verse, God says, look at me. All that he had done, all that God had created. But this, this note, this note, you want to write this one down. To see God, you have to look higher than inanimate objects which were created simply for this earthly realm. In Genesis 2, 1 through 3, which we just read, the repeated idea or theme in this very first introduction to the Sabbath is what God has done. Every, other, every earthly time stamp, every other phenomenon in the heavens marks a time except for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is marked with something that you cannot see. It's marked with a holy presence. It's marked with God's presence. And if we cannot see God, where then do we look? We need something to look at. This is, this is it right here. To get a glimpse of God on the Sabbath, Take a closer look at your neighbor. To get a glimpse of God on the Sabbath, take a closer look at your neighbor. 
Why do I say that? Genesis 1:26. it says, look, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image. God created man, male and female, in his own image. Human beings were made in the image of God. We have his likeness. We are free-thinking, intellectual creatures. We are endowed with the ability to create that which appears in our head as a picture or in our mind and then is able to be created and manifested as a finished product. That is a stamp of God. Theologians call this idea the imago dei, the image of God, it's Latin. And what it means is human beings are like God in their moral, spiritual, and intellectual essence. God created beings like himself with the capacity to give and receive love, to think and to act the capacity to experience emotions, but also the capacity to choose, to decide, to say yes and say no. Animals can't do that. (laughs) When it's mating season, they mate. When the season is over, they stop. God created, and this is the title of this message, image bearers. Image bearers. The highlight of the Sabbath is communion with other image bearers. Is communion with the the image, God, the creator, and those who also possess his image. There is no inanimate phenomenon in the sky to mark the Sabbath. The Sabbath is marked by the presence of God and communion with those who bear his image. Image bears. You and I, we are all many pictures of God's infinite being. Everyone here, an image bearer. So what exactly did God create? God created an entire planet, an entire world that bears the markings of who he is, a God of love, of holiness, of righteousness, of joy, of happiness. Sometimes we forget that. And he highlights his creative masterpiece by crowning it with holy time, the holy time of the Sabbath. And he says, remember, the Sabbath is a memorial of God's creation, nothing that man did, simply all that God has done. The Sabbath is a memorial of our identity. The Sabbath is a memorial of our identity. Go with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and this is the Ten Commandments. And let me just give a little context. I want you to to kind of follow this outline. We're gonna be looking at the Sabbath passage, 
the Sabbath text, the Sabbath commandment. But prior to that, the first three verses talk about image. But let's read Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, reference back to creation, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. But there was a buildup to this commandment. The first three commandments talk about images. They talk about idols. They talk about misrepresentations of God. And then immediately following these commands to not mirror these fake images such as a golden calf or a, 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 a metal statue of a fish, it immediately follows up with remember the Sabbath day, the memorial of creation. Why is this significant? Okay, jump with me back to Genesis. In your mind, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, we've already read it. Remember, the Trinity, the triune God, makes man and woman in their image, in God's image, and then immediately following that, what comes next is God resting on the Sabbath. The outline in Genesis 1 is the same as the progression in Exodus 20. Images, the Sabbath. In Genesis, you were created in my image, therefore I rested, God rested on the Sabbath. Exodus, these are not your images. Don't worship them, don't mirror them, don't embody them, remember the Sabbath. Remember whose image you were created in. Both the outline of the commandments in Exodus and the outline of Genesis 1, they follow a similar pattern of reasoning. And here it is. Because you were created in my image, then do what I do. Mirror me. You are an embodiment of me, not a golden calf, not a celebrity, of me, God. High, holy, lifted up. First John 4, 8 says, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That's King James. And so God rested on the Sabbath day. Therefore, in Exodus 20, God says, remember, and points back to the creation, to our creation, image bearers. Don't forget in whose image you were created. The Sabbath is this space of time, is, it's this memorial to remember your identity. You are an image bearer. If you were perhaps 
looking to define or even categorize human beings, I'll use myself as an example, and we do that all the time, throughout time, for good or for not so good. At Michelle's foundational core, that's me, according to scripture, I am not defined by the work that I do or by the jobs that I have or have had. Michelle does not equal pastor. Michelle does not equal teacher. Michelle does not equal singer. Why? Because it's not high enough. You see, the way God created me, the way God set you up, he created you too high for earthly titles. It's not enough. It doesn't fully encapsulate your being. Michelle equals image bearer. One who was made in the likeness of God. Every human being at their foundational core is worth more than what society has labeled them as or what they have labeled themselves as. And whether those labels are good or bad. I was in Times Square a few weeks ago with some friends of mine, enjoying the sights. We were sitting uh, by the stairs. If you know where that is, the stairs, I don't necessarily know what it's called, but we were sitting there enjoying watching some break dancers do their routine and rake up some change. And then all of a sudden, this whiff, this funk, stench, just blew by on the breeze. And as I'm living in New York, that is becoming more and more regular thing. That's like, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But it was so foul, wow, so foul. I mean, this was, took the cake of all that I've smelled so far in the last couple of months. And I looked around, what is that? What is that? And then it would disappear. And then with the next breeze, it would come back singeing my nose hairs. Wow, what is that? My Lord. So I inspected a little bit more carefully. And as I, I turned, I saw the source. It was a homeless man. Pants half off, shoes ripped, opened, shirt ripped. He was almost naked. And immediately, as I thought homeless man, the spirit corrected me. Mm-mm. Not homeless man. Image bearer. Not homeless man, Michelle. Image bearer. One who is made 
in my image with my likeness, stinking up the place. He wasn't a homeless man. He was an image bearer, not a drunkard, an image bearer, not a crackhead, an image bearer, not gay, not straight, an image bearer, not black, not white, an image bearer, not Hindu, not Muslim, image bearer. One who is made in the likeness of God. At our foundational core, human beings are defined not by what they do. They are defined by God as image bearers. People who were created in the image of God. This is our identity. We were made to mirror God. Ellen White says in the book Education, she says, higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for his children. Godliness, God-likeness is the goal to be reached. Who is this God? Who is this person who, who has this image that we are supposed to embody? Well, if you were wondering, the Bible gives a perfect real-life example. He came down from heaven. His name is Jesus. If you want to know who God is. And he walked this earth. The Sabbath is a memorial of freedom. The Sabbath is a memorial of freedom. During Christ's time here on earth, he spent the majority of the Sabbath hours healing people, teaching in the synagogue, healing. And I know now why he did this. There's a scripture, I'll read it in a second. Jesus understood that Setting image bearers free from physical constraints, from mental and physical ailments and diseases, that was a work to be done on Sabbath. On the Sabbath day, Jesus goes into the synagogue, okay, in, in this one instance, he goes into the synagogue and he reads this scripture, Isaiah 61 verse 1. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He went into the synagogue. He stands up to read and he reads that. And his declaration, this is, this is me. I am the fulfillment of this prophecy. And as soon as he gets down to leave, the Jews and the Pharisees sought to kill him. The Sabbath is a memorial of freedom. 
There's another verse. The, the Ten Commandments are listed twice in the biblical narrative in, in full. And the second place that they're listed is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. I'm going to turn there. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses, okay, we're with the, uh, the journey of the children of Israel. Moses repeats the law, the Ten Commandments, for the second time, originally given on Mount Horeb in Exodus 20. Okay, so he reads them for a second time. But as we read this, I want you to try and, and, and notice there are some slight differences in the phrasing and in the wording of this instance of the Sabbath commandment versus Exodus 20. The focus is even different. Okay, we're specifically looking at the Sabbath commandment and comparing it, all right? Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12, reading through 15, it says this. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I'm reading from the English Standard. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. I don't remember hearing that before. 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Did you hear anything different? In Exodus 20, it refers you back to the Genesis account of the Sabbath, of God doing that creative work and then resting. Here, the captivity, the bondage, the slavery in Egypt is highlighted that much more. And it says, observe the Sabbath day instead of starting with remember. But when it does use the word remember, it uses it by saying, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought you out. And then it also says, I like this, you rest, and your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. What am I getting at here? There's a lot, lot of, a few differences, actually. I mean, the Sabbath could almost really be called the great equalizer. Not to be confused with the movie, okay? It, it could be called the great equalizer. Here's why. Because it was on the Sabbath, on the seventh day, that in the Israelite society, in every Israelite household, all earthly titles were set aside. God had to remind the Israelites that you are not the boss. You do not own image bearers. 
You were given dominion over the animals, not other image bearers. In fact, you, you may manage them and help organize, but you do not own anything that belongs to God. On the Sabbath, earthly titles are not only set aside, they're irrelevant. When we come to church, when we come under the banner of the God of the Sabbath, we don't come with our titles on our chest. Doctor this, CEO this, no, no, no. Those are great titles. They're useful titles in their own right. But when you come into the house of God, remember, it's not about your work. It's about God's work. It's full of image bearers like yourself. It's full of people, full of your brothers and sisters who were made in the image of God. And when you begin to think this way, when you strip back the titles and you understand the equalizing nature of the term or the title image bearer, then when it comes to service, when it comes to helping those in need, helping those who may be in a more difficult circumstance than yourself, and here at Advent Hope, we're organizing so that we can put our hands to the plow and help our neighbors around us. But there's a mentality shift. When you think about everyone being an image bearer, you begin to help and serve out of a mindset of brotherhood and sisterhood rather than privilege. Rather than, I'm better than you, or, oh, I have more, so I really should share. No, 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 no. If you were to see your blood on the street, you wouldn't think you're better than them. You would think, what are you doing here? We're cut from the same cloth. This is not for you. Not even cut from the same cloth. Crafted from the same dirt. By the same God with the same image and the same imprint. What are you doing here? This is not for an image bearer. And I know there are levels of complexity to what we see around us, but everyone bears the image of God. He too is an image bearer. She too, them too. Everyone is an image bearer. Bearer, and to see coming from Michigan in the little town of Berrien Springs, to see my brothers and sisters around New York City, around the United States, around the world, in conditions unfitting for someone who inhabits the likeness of God, it really should break our hearts. But more than that, I've only been alive for 33 years. You know whose heart it breaks? God. Throughout time, throughout generations, throughout thousands of years, God's heart has been breaking. Those who God created in his image, 
They've been downtrodden, enslaved, worked to death, oppressed, manipulated, deceived, scarred, bruised, abused, often at the hands of other image bearers. The Sabbath is a testimony against American slavery. The Sabbath is a testimony against the Rwandan genocide. The Sabbath is a testimony against the Holocaust. The Sabbath is a testimony against the extreme imbalances in societies around the world. The Sabbath is a testimony against anyone, anything, any system who would dare to downtrodden those stamped with the image of God. Image bears. Reading a book, The Lost Meaning of the Seventh Day, it says the seventh day is also singled out as the sign of divine human relationship. Enjoining the observer, catch this part, to manifest God's ways in human relationships. Did you catch that? The Sabbath is for us to manifest God's ways, the ways of Jesus Christ, in our human relationships. The Lost Meaning of the Seventh Day. That's the book by Tonstad. And so Jesus, because of this, went around healing and uplifting image bearers on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is a memorial of freedom. We are free to exist at our fundamental human level with no extras to add to the title, image bearer image bearer. I love Genesis, especially Genesis 1 through 3, because it sets a foundation for the rest of the narrative of Scripture. And in Revelation, you know, Genesis is not the only place that talks about images, right, or the image of God. Revelation talks about images as well. And Revelation warns the world about a system, about a power that seeks to impress its own image, its own likeness on the whole entire world. Instead of pointing individuals back to their origins, back to the creator, back to the true image, back to the one who we are to mim mimic and mirror, they point them back to themselves, to the system, to everything that is unfit. This system seeks to usurp their identity and stamp them with markings, the markings that don't equate to the Creator God. And no, it may not be a golden calf today, but it could be something else. And at the end of time, it is these two images, an image of the system and an image, the image of God, these two embodiments that polarize the world. 
And so God makes this very clear clarion call to the world, and he says, remember the Sabbath day. God's creation, your identity, your freedom, all coming from the source of God. Remember whose image you were created in. Remember you are an image bearer of the most high God. The angels cry, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah could not even look on his face. High, righteous, dignified, pure, full of goodness that shines bright like the sun. You were created in his image. So what is the lesson here? The lesson is the Sabbath is not simply about the day. It's about the mentality. Every time the Sabbath comes at the end of the week, this is, this is what I, would, I pray that you do. I want you to spend time dwelling on a higher themes. There should be a change in how you see yourself. There should be a change in how you see your neighbor. There should be a change in what you discover about God. Our value is more than what we think it is or what society may say it is. Our value, our identity comes from God. We are image bearers. That poem I was telling you about, the second verse goes like this, crowning jewel of creation. Sin and sickness, prayer and weeping cease at the close of earthly days. But thy Sabbath is eternal, a joyful thanks to thee re-raise. Blessed Sabbath made for man, gift from the Creator's hand. Meaning, all the sin and sickness and disease and crookedness of this world will eventually end. And the Sabbath will continue, even into eternity. The last verse of the song goes like this. Teach us, Lord, in storm or sunshine how to truly rest in thee may thy sabbath peace enfold us and our shelter ever be blessed sabbath made for man gift from the creator